Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who would never casually reveal my secret identity, my trustworthy friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing better today than I was last time. And this makes me think that you do have a secret identity. Is, is that correct, James B.? No, no. But I, I won't reveal it, I promise. No, Eddie, do you not know why I asked you about revealing secret identities? You know, I was really looking forward to you asking me if I felt soft and pulpy today. <laughs> so, no, tell me about it. Well, that's because in the three issues we're going to cover today, in two of them, somebody reveals a secret identity. Oh? All two right. of them. Not, all right. Well, the lizard also calls Spider-Man soft and pulpy, so. <laughs> yes, my, my intro is twice as relevant, though, than saying it just once. But, and not only are there three identities revealed, there are at least three big aha moments in right. this episode. I might have to play the aha music three times. Wow. And by aha music, I mean the suspense music, not the 1985 Take On Me <laughs> song by Aha, which is not soft and pulpy. Let's get to the soft and pulpy book, and that would be from July of 1975, Giant Size Spider-Man number five, Spider-Man and the Man-Thing in Beware the Path of the Monster by Conway, Andrew, and Esposito. As Spidey is recovering from his encounter with Scorpion and the new Gwen, he decides he needs a vacation. Yeah, he also decides to get involved with a bystander who's trying to make a citizen's arrest of Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man shoves him, threatens to hit him, calls him Tubby. Welcome oh, to Giant Size Spider-Man, a subsidiary of the Marvel team-up books. This is hearkening back to early jerk Spider-Man with Human Torch. Well, uh, Peter goes and convinces J. Jonah to send him on a business trip to the Everglades to photograph the headline-grabbing man-thing. He calls up Doc Connors, who's in Florida, and is interested in Peter's investigation, but immediately suffers an accident that turns him into the lizard. Peter says goodbye to the new Gwen and heads to Florida. Yeah, it's too bad that Doc <laughs> Connors kept the dangerous, quote, break glass to release gas to turn me into the lizard formula, sitting on the <laughs> edge of his desk. It is, it is a ridiculous scenario. <laughs> he does declare, oh no, the gas that was the formula that could turn me into the lizard was in that <laughs> vial. Like he, right? Yeah. as he, Yeah. Yeah. Like the Wicked he, Witch of the West keeping a bucket of water in her bedroom. Yeah, what, you know what I'm saying? Kinda, it makes me question the safety standards of Doc Connors' labs. Mm. But Martha Connors uh, informs Spidey that the lizard is on the loose. And as he heads to their house, he's attacked. Although the lizard overpowers Spidey several times, he does eventually get webbed into submission. Soon after, the Man-Thing, along with other swamp animals, answer the lizard's mental command and attack Spider-Man and Martha. The lizard is released by his swampy friends, and oddly, the Man-Thing attacks the lizard. The book ends as Edmund Arnstead, a failed chemist who had been tracking the Man-Thing, is convinced by Martha to concoct a formula to change the lizard back into her husband. She does make the formula, and soon after, Spuddy uses it to help Connors regain control. The Man-Thing wanders off back into the swamp as Spidey and Arnstead miss their big old buddy. Yeah, as I mentioned in the intro, Martha was a little loose with the uh, my husband, Kurt Connors, is the lizard, and this will change him back. I'm not sure if you caught that, but she says it. I, it was an emergency situation. I, I was totally fine with that because 
she had so few options. It wasn't going well for Spider-Man, that's for sure. He was covered in snakes and alligators and Man-Thing and the Lizard eventually. So it w- I didn't perceive it as a huge deal, I guess. But yeah, this guy knows who the Lizard is. Um, speaking of Martha, uh, who's the real hero of this book? Spider-Man, Edmund Arnstead, the Man-Thing, or Martha Connors? That's a that's a great question. By the way, that was a great summary, Eddie. Good job. I know Thank you. you. Under the weather, and you did a nice job there. Like our podcast, that book was a team effort for sure. I'm not copping <laughs> out, okay? And this wasn't a terrible giant size issue either, by the way. This book does move the Gwen Peter plotline along. It nearly does as much as many of the actual Amazing Spider-Man books are doing at this time. There's really only like one. Amazing Spider-Man book mm-hmm. that really moves the plot mm-hmm. a lot, in my opinion. And it feels like they're all written by the same writer, and that's why they're all feeling the same. I wonder if the next book, Eddie, is by Jerry Conway again. Let me see. It's from September of 1975. The Amazing Spider-Man 147. The Tarantula is a Very Deadly Beast by Conway, Andrew, Esposito, and Hunt. Spidey's swinging back into town from the Everglades and goes to see a not-so-happy J. Jonah. He has no pictures after his business trip to Florida, but Ned Leeds does have information about the new Gwen. She's a clone grown from the cell tissues of the first Gwen. With mind imploding, Peter changes into Spidey and attacks a nearby window when he sees Gwen a thousand times over running towards him. He regains control of himself to find two police with pistols drawn. Thankfully, the recently escaped Tarantula pokes them and begins to fight Spider-Man. Yeah, this is actually a pretty good book. I think it's of the three that we're going to read right here. Um, it might be better than the last one. This might be the best yeah. book, in my opinion. I mean, um, yeah. again, the, the last book's not terrible, but this is this is a good book. Eddie, the second half of this book, though, is one intense fight. The narrator actually has a little box that says, intermission and then it goes get your popcorn and cokes ready for act two and then it's just (laughs) fighting all the way but right before that there is a segment that has aunt may telling mj to fight for peter it's like five or six panels of her just explaining Mm -hmm. that you know you really got to stick up for if you're a woman and you want a man um they use that whole section to balance things out a bit out a bit yeah yeah change up the fighting well uh, as the two battle, that's the tarantula and Spider-Man, the tarantula leads Spidey into a very aggressively driven bus that only stops to pick up a strangely insentient Gwen. As Spidey's anxiety ratchets up, the bus driver pulls off his mask to reveal... He's the Jackal. The Jackal drives the quartet to the Brooklyn Bridge, where Spidey receives the tarantula's sting and falls unconscious. He awakes atop the bridge in chains, and with a maniacal laugh, (laughs) the jackal kicks him off. Uh, This is one of the most anxiety-producing Spider-Man fights ever. Um, Each layer is so cleverly designed. I, I really, for a fight sequence, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it does really ramp up. And we're going to go back in a minute. We'll talk about all these books because this is just one big plot line. But I I think this is the best of the three books, but it goes with 148. So I don't want to leave you with a cliffhanger. Uh, So I'm going to jump in right now and tell you from October of 1975, The Amazing Spider-Man 148, Jackal, Jackal, Who's Got the Jackal by Conway, Andrew, Esposito, and Hunt. 
Uh, Tata, web slinger, the jackal cackles as a chain spidey falls from the Brooklyn Bridge. The police arrive and the tarantula flies the jackal and Gwen away on a jetpack. And an unconscious spidey is captured. Uh, We have to take a minute here. Uh, to talk about some of the ridiculous things that keep happening in these books. Um, In the last book we just read, there was this scene where the bus hits like a Volkswagen Beetle, knocks it upside down, and it spins around comically. And the person in the passenger seat is like, I told you to slow down. And in this book, uh, Spider-Man is knocked unconscious. He's taken on a boat, and like the police officers are all excited. They're like, "We're the guys who captured Spider-Man. The the news is going to be there." Actually, Eddie, why don't why don't you read this section? I think this is worth a quick break. Okay. Do you want to read uh, the other police, and I'll read the main guy? You, your guys, you're the lieutenant. He's the guy who speaks first. Oh, you want me to just start? Okay, okay. Uh, easy. Take it easy. Set him down gently. Is he still breathing? I think so, Lieutenant. Great. This means a captaincy for me, for sure. Should I take off his mask? No, no. Are you crazy? There'll be TV cameras on the dock, and the reporters will want to stage some sort of dramatic unveiling. I always wondered how I'd look on TV. Hey, Lieutenant, look who else is waiting for us. The Commissioner, Ralph Arbuncle. This is your lucky day. Uh, Quick, get those chains off him. Hurry. Huh? But why, Lieutenant? How's it going to look, you boob, if four of New York's finest can't hold Spider-Man without keeping him chained up like a mad gorilla? When you're dealing with the television audience, you've got to think about appearances. Know what I mean? So, Eddie, obviously Spider-Man escapes this, and then at the end, the commissioner walks up to him and says, And I hope you buy your shoes wholesale, Arbuckle, because you'll be pounding the beat for the next 20 years. So, you think this is a little too comical to have in the middle of this important you know saga i yes well it just is so such a jarring contrast from what's going on i mean you know the past all three of these books have very intense very anxiety producing fights and we have these little like sketches that are uh in the middle here um going on well before you talk about the last little sketch involving the trench and the billboard once you finish up the story then we can kind of mention that if you want Sure. Um, Eventually, Peter makes it home only to snub MJ and take a bath. Ned knocks not long after, and together they conclude that the mysterious Gwen clone stems from Peter's biology lab. They rush to talk to Professor Warren, and he says his assistant Anthony Serba must have created the new Gwen. Spidey goes looking for Serba, only to find the tarantula. This time, he beats the wily alternate arachnid, only to be struck without warning from his spider sense. As he lays injured by the jackal, the jackal reveals himself as... Professor Warren. Crazy stuff at the end of this book. Is it crazier that it's Professor Warren or crazier that Professor Warren says, Hey, Parker, I know it's you. Did you pick up on that? I, I I assumed he knew the secret identity. I didn't I didn't remember that exact says, line. I, I even brought your friends along, Gwen Stacy and Ned Leeds, and he says, after your famed spider sense protects you from enemies, not friends, and dear boy, haven't I always been your friend? <laughs> Professor and then he says, Professor Warren, the jackal is Professor Warren. Professor Warren, Peter Parker's biology teacher. 
you know, I mean, like that's the whole it, point. Like, he, he, I think it's I think it's crazier to have the jackal as Professor Ward. Yeah, I, and I'm I totally broadsided by that. And I know we're going to talk about the next book in the next podcast, but he immediately starts calling him Peter and Parker constantly. Like he knows it's him. Yeah, it's, I think that's I think that threw me off too. Like, how does he know? So, all right, so we we kind of whipped through uh, these books because they are one story. The the through line being the clones here. Um, okay, before we. Before we, we we could talk a lot about these, why don't we knock off our sponsor and then we all can right. come back and we can hit all the things that you want to cover that we didn't cover. Sound good? Yeah, can't forget about the sponsor. Eddie, today's sponsor is a social media app for all occasions. Have you ever been in some awkward situation? Well, the app, what would MJ say, would give you an appropriate thing to say. And if you're in a situation requiring you to do something, you need, of course, what would Hulk do? What if you need great wisdom from years of experience? Then you need advice from Aunt May. So, Eddie, I know you know how these things work by now. You could download the app from the App Store, Google Play, Amalavita. But this is a little different, Eddie. I don't know if you if you have this app already or your family does, or your coworkers, but this is a weird one. It's a 675 download, which you know, what it is what it is. Wow. It comes with five free requests. But then you got to pay 99 cents per request. It gets it's a little pricey. Um, that being said, I haven't used any of my free requests. So, would you like to try it out? Of course, James B. All right. So, what you want to do here is just think of some advice you might need about any situation that you know Aunt May's great wisdom could help you with, and I'll plug it in, and we'll see what it says. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, trying to conserve energy in my household, and I'm just struggling um, to figure out what I should do. Do you, do you think the Aunt May ha- app could help me? Okay, sure. So I'm gonna, of, co- of course it can. <laughs> so it said, how? So you want to say, like, I'm looking to conserve energy? Yes, the electricity, electricity, natural gas, and such. Natural gas and such. How do I do this? It said, I'm afraid I don't understand any of this. All right. So what if that costs 99 cents? Well, what I think they're saying is what what I think the app is trying to tell you is, you know, why would you be wasting energy? Like this isn't something you should always be conserving energy. You shouldn't have to ask why to conserve okay, energy. Okay, all right. You should just I, be mindfully doing this. I, all right, so, I've got another one. Yeah, I've I got. Think, I, I'm not going to use all these up. Go ahead. I think this is in a little more in the wheelhouse. Um, okay. I have a hard time mm-hmm. keeping track of two of the same socks. It's just I'm always losing like one sock. Okay. Can Aunt May help me? Sure, sure. With this problem. Okay. <laughs> Can you help Eddie? Uh, with his socks. It says, I'm sure Dr. Octopus would not have misplaced his socks. Okay, so what she's saying is that if you're a little more responsible and a little more careful, you won't have this problem in the future. I got I got time for one more if you want. I'll save the last two. You know, oh my goodness. For you. Okay. All right. Get one more? All right, I've got one more. Um, yeah. I'm I'm looking for a new car. I'm having trouble with my current car. Wow, this is, and I'm I'm finding it really difficult which car I should get. Okay, remember this is like a sort of like an advice app, and you you're asking very like. Uh, let me see if I can. Eddie wants oh, to I, shop. That's all right. I can give it. a social situation. I've already typed it in. <laughs> 
Eddie wants to shop for a new car. What should he do? All right. It says, take your umbrella. It might rain today. <laughs> so I think she's just saying be cautious in your shopping and, you know, be careful of who you talk to and stuff like that. So, but all right. All right. Well, well that's the, uh, that's our sponsor for today. The, uh, social media. I'll, you I'll let t- you, uh, trial that one a little more, well, James. Well, you tell me about it. Yeah. I got two, I got two ones left here. All right, Eddie, we, we blasted through today. We've, you know, we've, we've got some time left. Are there any of these three books in particular that you wanted to focus on? Uh, anything we didn't really cover? Well, I don't, I don't want you to weasel out of my question from giant size. Okay. Uh, I think there's arguments to be made on who is the real hero of the giant size, Spider-Man, Edmund Arnstead, the man thing, or Martha Connors. And, and I wasn't weaseling out. Okay. I think any one of these people missing is going to cause a huge problem because Martha Connors has to come out there and say, hey, we need to make this formula. And this Edmund Armstead happens to be a chemist. He was out there in the woods. I believe he was trying to kill himself, right? Yes, he was. It was dark. Yeah. And then then he, he sees like, I think he sees the man thing and then rethinks it. The man thing comes and basically saves him. And then he thinks, I'm going to follow the man thing around. Uh, the man thing, of course, turning on the lizard to stall for Spider-Man, Spider-Man yes. being involved. I guess the biggest hero, I mean, the person you couldn't replace the easiest, I guess Edmund Armstead is the biggest hero because under pressure, he was going to kill himself in the beginning of the book. And at the end of the book, he is saving a life. So I guess it's him. Interesting. I, I'm going with Martha in this situation. You know, okay. I didn't talk about her several attempts to stop the lizard and help Spider-Man. And she tells, you know, Peter Parker that, that the lizard is on the loose, uh, you know, before he arrives, giving, you know, a preemptive, a preemptive uh, warning for him. And it's true. Edmund Armstead is the guy who makes the formula, but she's the one that convinces him over and over again. You have to make this formula. Cause he was, he was all down on himself. He's like, I can't do it. And she's like, you have to do it. Really dramatic all throughout. So Martha Connors takes the cake in giant size for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with any of the people you choose. They're all, I think they're all excellent choices. Uh, I'd like to go back to giant size as well for a second. Okay. And there were four pages in giant size that were pertinent to our main story. Yes. And there was a section in there where Mary Jane calls Peter and he mm-hmm. kind of shrugs her off, which yep. is a another big plot line, the Mary Jane relationship with Peter through this clone saga is going to be prominent in three or four books. In this first one, she's really feeling down. And, you know, I joked about in the second book, Aunt May kind of talking to her about it, but she's really down in the first book. And Peter in this book, it's in the giant size book that he kind of gets back and starts talking to Gwen. Like he's shutting her out in Amazing Spider-Man. He starts feeling bad for in the giant size book. And that conversation happens there. And I'm thinking, wow, like if you didn't have this book, you wouldn't know how they got from I'm ignoring you to I'm talking to you. I thought this book was really important. Super essential and, and a really well done book. Um, I, I think we could talk about also this anxiety producing uh, fight that happens in one forty seven. I, this is one of my, favorite fight fight sequences that ever happened i think um because i just love how 
uh, Spider-Man is fighting the tarantula, right? And Correct. he's getting he's getting the vibe the tarantula is leading me somewhere, which is always nerve-wracking, even for Spider-Man. And he he chucks him onto this bus, which is filled with innocent bystanders. So now Spider-Man's fighting the tarantula inside a bus with innocent bystanders, and the bus is going faster and faster too. The bystanders get off, and on walks this like you know zombified Gwen Stacy. She's like out of reality. And he's still fighting the tarantula. And then the bus driver takes off his mask to reveal he's the jackal, which, which note for the record, the jackal has two masks on there, <laughs> too, <laughs> which made me laugh. And then, as if Spider-Man doesn't have all these emotions and problems and he's trying to help Gwen, they drive him to the Brooklyn Bridge, which is so significant because that's where Gwen, of course, died. I, I just... What a great like plan and enacted plan, and I love that about this book. It's too bad right in the middle of it, they hit a little Volkswagen truck, and it swoops, 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 <laughs> spins around upside down, and the girl says, I told you to move the car, George. Do you have a theory on why this is happening? Any ideas? I do. I'm ready. Is there? What is it? I think the fact that the writers of Marvel Team Up are writing also for Amazing Spider-Man now. I think they sort of lose track a little bit about which book they're in sometimes. And Ooh. they put they put the goofiness of Marvel team up into 147 and they put the seriousness of the Amazing Spider-Man into Giant Size 5. I think they're just this they can't keep track of which books are supposed to be silly, uh-huh. which books are being serious. I'm not even Crossing joking. platform. What do you what do you got for a theory? I think that um Spider-Man once again he is making so few jokes. I mean, Spider-Man is just not being funny he, mm-hmm. he's really like out of his mind crazy he he tackles a mirror because he sees gwen stacy running at him a thousand times and you know he's just psychologically in a terrible shape so much so that you know the closest he gets to making a joke is some self-deprecation like come on spidey you know you've done this before you big goofball you can shoot your web and it's just too heavy and instead of kind of subtly working in some kind of humor, they just completely stop everything and put in these little like asides where like happens. <laughs> and then we go back to the action. Um, you know, I, I think it's some aspect of like TV that's going on in this, this vintage where like they have these little skits that occur. That did cross my mind too. The, the TV comment that was, uh... that, that's what it feels like. It feels yeah. like a, a bad Monty Python sketch in the middle of here yeah, a little something. bit a little bit of laughing i was thinking when i saw that so yeah. speaking of sketches if you will allow me um i'm going to read two panels from 147 and uh there's okay only, there's only two lines that are from two words excuse me from one character everything else comes from another character so you could just sit back and let me do this real quick here we go <clears throat> peter shows up at the bugle in 147 having just gotten back from the florida trip and uh he didn't actually take any pictures, according to Joe J. Jonah Jameson, who says to him, No pictures! None! Let me refresh your memory, Parker. We paid your way to Florida so you could photograph the man-thing, not give you a free vacation! Jonah, listen. No, Parker, you listen! I've heard about your problems, but I'm a businessman, not a philanthropist. If you want to goof off, that's fine, but you don't do it on my time. I'm going to make you pay me back for this Florida fiasco, Parker, if necessary. Out of your hide! Yeah, you know what? You should make him pay you back. Totally correct. It's the most right J. Jonah's ever been. 
I mean, he could have said, I couldn't find him, blah, blah, blah. But what was he doing down there the whole time, right? Um, and Spider-Man was there, too. Like, he's your hookup. Oh, what terrible. <sighs> well, we forget. We forgot my favorite, my last comical segment. <laughs> Did you see how the tarantula gets beaten by Spider-Man? Please book? go ahead and fill that in for us. <laughs> They're fighting, and the tarantula goes for a double foot jab into Spider-Man off a building. And instead, he jabs through a beer billboard. And the other side of the billboard is like a water <laughs> a, a water tower. And when Spider-Man knocks the tarantula out, the water comes blasting out of the beer <laughs> billboard. And so it's the tarantula, which I guess he's knocked out. I don't know. Yeah, he's also, like all the villains in these books, he has a two-issue contract, like the Cyclone yep. and Mysterio and everybody else, so he's done. That's the end of him. He gets he gets arrested. Well, Eddie, if people want to find us and talk about what they liked or didn't like about these books, uh, how could they reach us? Email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And it's time for the close. I'm James B., joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, if J. Jonah Jameson sends you on a fully paid trip from New York to Florida with a two-day all-expenses-covered account to get pictures of Spider-Man and the Man-Thing, it might be a good idea to actually take some pictures. Goodbye! Goodbye! Eddie, do you remember I was talking last issue about in the book I read um, by Sean Howe, the Marvel Comics Untold? Yes. Um, it said they were rushing the proofreaders. I mm-hmm. wanted to let you know that Connors, uh, C-O-N-N-O-R-S, is spelled C-O-N-N-E-R-S wrong uh-huh. in every single panel of Giant Size 5. It's spelled <sighs> wrong every single time. I, I think I got confused by this. Like when I was writing my summaries, not your I fault. Have changed it too. No, it, you did, but that's okay because I was going to correct yours. I'm like, oh, what's Eddie doing? And then I said, oh my gosh, it's wrong in the book everywhere. The entire book was wrong. So it's not your fault. Not your fault. Fascinating.